Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, yeah. You already know what time it is. It's that official time. When we take this worldwide. So now it's time to turn it up Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up We all up in your area like landscape Definitely bringing you the power slamming pancakes It's the mandate that you tune in It's time to move out so we can move in And recognize that this is no illusion I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion It all started off in the book of Genesis When Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him He touched his hip but he really could have devoured him and from that point, then we hear a name change, rearrange the game, so now we gotta change lanes. Uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. Listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam show by Crave Wrestling on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page Crave Wrestling. Episode 236, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Pancakes and Power Slam show. We are live and living Culligan, funky like a monkey, if you will. And, of course, I am Chris Featherstone, your host with the most. Of course, follow us at Crave Wrestling on Twitter, Crave Wrestling on Facebook. So here's the fun thing about tonight. So at the uh, at the heels of a very interesting debate uh, and some interesting <laughs> returns on SmackDown and a very interesting world, we've got something even more interesting. We've got two people who've had experience both in the WWE for a long period of time, as well as TNA, that are going to be on the show simultaneously, ladies and gentlemen. I've said this before, 236 episodes. I've had two people on the show at once, but uh, this would be fun to have two guest stars uh, simultaneously on the show. And we're doing this for a reason. We're doing this because these two people came up with the vision to give people an opportunity to be able to become stars. You have developmental uh, places, you have training facilities, but you there, there's, there's one thing with being trained from someone from an independent scene, very good, very good training. But there's another thing about having training from someone or two people that have the experience wrestling for WWE and TNA. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I am honored. I am privileged to welcome back both of these stars. I've had both of them on my show uh, separately, 
but not together. So this is going to be in fun, fun, fun tag team show. The Pancakes and Power Slams Tag Team Champions, ladies and gentlemen, Sean Davari and Ken Anderson. How are the both of you this evening? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to good to hear from you again, man. I'm actually just impressed that we're tag team champions. I didn't even know we won those motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Already starting off with the PG round, I see. Uh, <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> oh, yeah. You did mention that. Oh, that's going to be a tough one. You guys don't have a second delay, do you? <laughs> no, no delay. We are absolutely live. It's 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 all fun, man. Uh, the yes, you you've uh, you've won the, the the pancakes and power slams tag team champions. It's 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 a false title. It's uh, it's just as good as uh, the. Well, I, I think I think Ken, you said that Sean was a wrestling historian when you were on the show before. I think I think you said that. Um, yes. But if you but if you remember. Uh, the the Phantom, uh, what was it? The um, South American Heavyweight Championship and the North American Heavyweight Championship that was unified between uh, Ted DiBiase and Pat Patterson to become the, the Intercontinental Championship. One of them was just some random. I think it was a North American title that was just some random championship that uh, never existed. So. Uh, that's that's akin to the Pancakes and Power Sims Tag Team Championships, and congratulations, you are in the inaugural winners. Hey, we'll take it. As we should. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're going to bookend, actually, uh, your your training school. We're going to talk some WWE and TNA, but we're going to do the first and the last thing we're going to talk about is the most important reason of why both of you are here today. So um, I'll let Sean uh, go ahead and just – Lay it out. Let us know your vision behind it and where people can find it and let people know about the uh, the Wrestling Academy. Yeah, so uh, me and Ken started up a business called the Academy School of Professional Wrestling, and it's kind of something that we've kicked around the idea for a long time, and it's sort of like the wheel needed to be reinvented, which usually isn't the case, but from every wrestling school and every facility that we've either trained at ourselves or that we've been invited to, to do seminars or heard that other people have come out of, you know, they were all, none of them were all encompassing. Everything just covered what was in the ropes. And it wasn't until recently that uh, WWE made their performance center. And and my little brother, who's actually one of our assistant coaches at the Academy was invited down there for a week long tryout. And he kind of explained to me what they had going on. And, And really it was something that needed to be done ages ago. It is a facility that could teach you everything you need to be a successful professional wrestler. And that was kind of like, you know, as as me and Ken started talking about it, like, this is it. This is what we've always been talking about. This is what somebody needs to be a successful sports entertainer. But unfortunately, you can only go there if you already have a contract. So what do all the people do that are trying to get that contract? Well, like I said, they can learn what goes on in the rope, so they really can't learn much else. And then we said, well, why don't we do it? We can have our own facility. We could teach them everything they need to know to be successful, to get where they want to be, to make some money and have a, you know, good career, have, have a career more than just independent wrestling. So that's what we did. We put our brains together and we created the Academy. That's awesome. So it was a no brainer for you to pull uh, Ken in uh, based on your friendship and just uh, his expertise. Yeah, totally. Like nobody knows that me and Ken have been friends for ages, like 17, 18 years. I think we've been 
together just it, it's crazy we always end up in the same places we always end up working in the same companies together but we've never had an opportunity to do a program on television mm-hmm. yeah. we we started out in the midwest together and we made so many different mistakes together and we would just bounce ideas off each other we we did so many drives between minneapolis and milwaukee milwaukee and chicago chicago back to minneapolis six-hour drive sometimes and we would just sit and try to pick our brains what do we need to do what what do we need to tweak in what we're doing right now Mm -hmm. to get there and every time we you know we would call regularly we would call dr tom we would call tommy dreamer we would call kevin kelly whoever it was that was in charge of bringing in new talent at wwe and we would always pick their brains and say what what can we do what can we do and the one thing they always told us was you know what, if we could bottle it and sell it, we would, but we really don't have, there is no correct answer. And mm-hmm. that is, I think, what sets us apart is we, we realize that. And we realize that we need to do the Paul Heyman method. And one of the greatest things I learned from him was hide people's weaknesses and accentuate their positives. And everybody has weaknesses and, and, you know, strengths and weaknesses. And you need to figure out what they're really good at and make sure that they're really, really, really good at that. Yeah. And yeah. And, and that's what we're trying to do with the, with the academy. I think that's a great point. And like I said, just, you know, added on with the, the, the layer of – because I read the press release and I, uh, I wrote a piece on it on Sportskeeda and just – you know, just reading this the the press release as you know, if 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 I was you know an aspiring wrestler, I would be intrigued because um, I know what will sell will be a selling point for me would be the networking that you have, you know, with current TNA stars, with current WWE stars, you know, because a lot of times I've I've noticed uh, just from a journalism standpoint, uh, you know, you can fill out applications you know until you're blue in the face, but it's that networking, it's that connection that one person might know somebody that, you know, could get you in the door much sooner than an application can. So that the, the whole ability to connect with people who are currently in the industry, you know, basically living out what the, what the uh, person who is being trained is vying to, to be is, is very inspiring. It's very encouraging and it's very uplifting you know, to have in the Minnesota market. Yeah. Jim Cornette told me the very first day I got down to OBW, Jim Cornette said, if you know of somebody out there on the wrestling scene who is good, who be beneficial to have on the roster at WWE or TNA or Ring of Honor or New Japan, and you don't do everything that you can in your power to try to get them noticed, you might as well admit to yourself and the rest of the world that you're scared that you're not mm. as good as you really, you know, think you are or say you are and that people think you are because, you know, that's just and, – and I always try to, to go that route. I, Sean and I did not have contacts when we broke into the business. We had to go out and do all the legwork ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what we wouldn't have done, what we wouldn't have given to have somebody – uh, and, and, and we're offering a great special right now of a thousand bucks. We would have paid five times, and we would have paid ten times that amount yeah. to have the, the knowledge and to just to be able to um, learn from people who had been there and done it, and done it for a lengthy period of time. You know, 
Sean and I, yeah. like I said, we've been wrestling for 17 years. We've been making a living at it for the last 12. Wow, yeah. And another thing is the the, the promo aspect. Both of you are uh, very popular promo cutters. I, I don't remember who. I, I, th- I think I saw something on WWE or some special somewhere uh, that someone was talking about you, Sean, as far as how underrated you are uh, as a promo cutter. And I, I agree with them. I think that uh, you were a heat magnet when it came to, when it came to uh, promo cutting. Uh, and, you know, Ken, you know, when you were on my show, you were telling me that, you know, Sean was giving you the ins and outs of just the nuances of how to cut a promo and how to really sell your character. And that's something else that you uh, offer uh, as far, as far as the training is concerned. Let people know, Sean, as far as, you know, just the elements of, you know, really cutting a promo and just really selling your character. Well, that's something that I kind of, uh, as sort of industry secrets is that like what you've seen on TV, me and Ken actually know a lot more because we were trying to do different things for a really long yeah. time. Just we were smart enough that once we got to the dance, we said, Hey, this is what brought us here. This is what they need out of us. And we just do that. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, Ken, Ken is a, an amazing, like, technical wrestler, but nobody knows that because they just needed him to beat up, you know, main event guys like Undertaker and Batista. And then, you know, I, I'm actually a, a really good uh, mat wrestler, but, you know, it doesn't get heat. So I never really did it. But, like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's uh, – there's a lot of stuff that people are going to see that they don't know. I've actually – I kind of forgot a lot of stuff because I haven't been doing it for so long because when I'm booked, that's not what a promoter wants for me. What they always usually want for me is either to be a heater on their show or to get somebody else over and that was my job, and I tried to do it to the best of my ability. But, you know, wrestling around with um, some other guys, getting ready to open up the school, going to different training schools around and, and seeing what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, what needs to be improved on. I got in the ring with a lot of new guys, and I was working with them, and I was going, man, I could do a lot of cool stuff that I haven't done in years that no one's even seen. Like, you know, I, this kid asked how to do a, a Hurricane Rana, so I showed him, and I was like, man, I haven't done one of these probably in like 10 years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I used to do uh, moonsault. One of the first things that I ever wanted to do in, in the wrestling ring was learn how to do a moonsault. And I remember I was doing moonsaults and dives to the floor and four, you know, not four fifties or anything like that, but I, I got hurt a couple of times doing it. And it was Kevin Kelly said, stop doing that. You don't need to do it in order to get over. And yeah. I did. And, you know, I've had a pretty lengthy career partially because of the fact that I don't take unnecessary risks. Yeah. That's a um, really, really, really good point as far as what we see a lot of times with the uh, current uh, WWE roster that we'll talk about. I actually have a a few loose ends that I want to uh, talk about uh, from the both of you. Like I said, you know, the, the listeners know I had both of you on my show separately and, uh, just some loose ends that I'm, I'm interested in, interested in, but I also pose some questions. Um, but first, I, I didn't even have this question in mind, but this is for Ken. Uh, how, who came up with the kamikaze roll finisher and this, the senton uh, splash? So, I mean, I first started doing the swanton way back when I, I remember I saw it when, when Matt Hardy, and Jeff Hardy burst onto the scene and started getting recognized and noticed in WWE and not just job guys. I really took notice 
and I was in camp at the time. I was I was training to be a wrestler, and so I, you know, hey, I want to learn how to do that. And so I practiced it in camp. The the Finley roll off the second rope was something that I standing on the mat, but I, I remember I I went down to Indiana Indiana. Ian Rotten was running a he did the Ted Penny Invitational Tournament every year. Austin Aries and I got booked on it. We were working against each other, and I needed a finisher. And for some reason, somebody else on the card was doing the swanton, or he told me he didn't want me doing the swanton. He wanted me to come up with something else. And it was something that I had been thinking about for a while. I was trying to figure out if it was safe or not. And Aries and I worked on it in the afternoon and tried to figure out, you know, can we do this? Can we do it safely? Am I going to squash the piss out of you? And, um, he, you know, at the end of the day, he just said, okay, just try it. And I just told him, hang on really tight. I'll try to be as gentle as I can with you. And it worked out fine. That was the last time I used it until I got to the WWE. When I got to the WWE, I'm standing in gorilla position. I'm supposed to go out and just have a dark match with Funaki, and Funaki was going to win the match. About five minutes before match, before the match is uh, going to go on, Dave Lagana walks up to me. He says, oh, there's been a change. And I immediately thought, like, oh, they cut, they cut my match. And he said, well, this is going to be a televised match. It's going to be on velocity. He said, we need to come up with a finisher for you because you're going over. And he stuck out his hand and said, welcome aboard. Mm-hmm. And Finley came around the corner. Finley was our agent. And he said, like, what, what kind of finisher do you do? And I, that's something unique. That's something nobody else does. And I just said, hey, I do a Finley roll, interestingly enough, off the second rope. And kind of just talk it over with Funaki, and I told him, I said, I promise you, I won't squash you, I won't kill you on it. If you just hang on super tight, told him how to do it, showed him how to do it. We did it. It worked out well. And then, you know, I, I used it for several weeks, maybe even a few months on TV. And then uh, I remember I was in the locker room, and JVL said something like, Man, that finisher you got, that looks awesome. I'll never take it. And I had already known that I needed to find something that I could do to everybody, but that was really when I thought, like, hey, if I want to be a main player here, I want to be a mainstay, I have to figure out something else that I can do. And then, you know what, I can pull that out from time to time when it's appropriate, and it means yeah. a lot more. Yeah. So was that the uh, – did that spark the advent of the mic check? Yes. Yep. And that was something that I think Arne Anderson and – Michael P.S. Hayes sort of suggested uh, it was you know, a reverse STO and uh, the flatliner or whatever, and I put the leg on it just to give it my yeah. own little twist. Yeah. So this question is for both of you. We'll start with Sean. Uh, while you were in the WWE, who did you travel with often? Uh, we have this show right along that comes to the network a lot. Who was the per- the person or people in the car with you the most? Uh, it, it was kind of weird because at the time, uh, like I left in like 2008, I think, or maybe it was 2009, mm-hmm. I'm sure. But uh, at the time, like people like didn't get drafted back and forth very much. Like there was a point in time where I was like the highest drafted guy, uh, like by a lot. Like it was like I was been drafted like nine times and the next closest guy's been drafted like four times. And uh, because of that, I was like always at different writing partners. It was like, you know, obviously first was Muhammad. But then, like, you know, I got in with, uh, like, went to SmackDown. I, I wrote with Benoit and Ken. And, 
and then I went back to uh, Raw, and I was riding with like Kurt Angle and somebody else. And I went back to SmackDown, I was riding with Kali, and I came back to Raw, I was riding with Cena, and then I was like, I, I, I always had like, like I said, I, I switched shows. Like I've been, I think I was there like four and a half years or something, and I think in four mm-hmm. and a half years I switched shows like, you know, seriously like seven or eight times, whereas most people only could do like once a year, if that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, what about you, Ken? Who did you uh, ride with the most? So when I first got to SmackDown, I was riding with Davari, Nova, and uh, or Simon Dean, and Paul mm, Virgil. Like Gucci. I remember that was several, yes, several weeks we were riding together. I remember Batista was always super cool with me and pulled me aside and said, like, who are you riding with? I told him, he said, look, nothing against those guys. It's not like you won't learn anything from those guys, but you need to get in the car with some vets, like some grizzled vets. Yeah. And he said, I'm serious, man. He, he goes, you need to get in the car with Benoit or Eddie or those guys. Well, and Benoit was a kind of, kind of a guy that always sort of, if you showed promise and you, you were respectful and humble in the, in the locker room, he would take you under his wing. And mm. I just went up to him and I said, Hey, do you think that I could start riding with you? And he said, let me ask Eddie. And later on the day, he came back to me and said, you, you can ride with us, but you're going to do all the driving. I just want you to know that. And I was like, absolutely. I would have it no other way, mm-hmm. of course. And it was only a few weeks that I rode with those guys, but it was it was interesting, to say the least. And I didn't get a whole lot of sleep because I did all the driving. We would be the last guys to leave the locker room. So we would get out of the building at 11 o'clock at night, have to go sit down somewhere and eat a full meal, and then get on the road and drive three hours or whatever to the next town. We get into the town, get to the hotel, and they would argue at the desk, like, what time do you want to get up? No, 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 whatever time you want to get up, Chris. No, no, Eddie, Eddie, seriously, what time do you want to get up? And I'd be just going, oh, my God, please, somebody make a decision. <laughs> and and then, you know, I'm telling you, it's 3.30 in the morning, sometimes 4 in the morning, and Chris would go, okay, uh, 7.30, let's get up at 7.30, we'll eat breakfast, we'll go to the gym, and, and I, I would that was it. We would literally get three hours of sleep a night, and that was more than enough for those guys. So I rode with them for a while, and then, you know, most memorable for me was Matt Hardy and Shane Helms. We were uh, a trio for a long time, and then when I got over to Raw, I rode with Randy Orton for quite a while, or two years. Mm-hmm. So. So you rode with Orton? Oh, interesting. That's a, yeah, uh, I did. Yeah, for a long time. Huh? Any takeaways and you Bob got Holly, from? Bob Holly was in that car. Pardon? Yeah. You had a, speaking of um, Bob Holly, uh, we got No Mercy coming up um, here this Sunday. You had a No Mercy uh, match with Polly, right? I was dying to figure out that segue. What the hell does No Mercy have to do with Bob Holly? Uh, you, you like that? You like that? <laughs> Good segue. That was actually my first pay per view match ever, was against Bob Holly at No Mercy. Yeah. yeah there you go. There's the segue. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So was he? So was he as tough as everyone else uh, says he is? Bob. Yes. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Bob's Bob was a guy that you wouldn't want to piss off. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So did you from from your from your ride with Thornton? I mean, did you? What, what were your takeaways from that? Because you know, there's you know stories galore as far as uh, your release and Orton and things like that. 
Uh, now, it's interesting that you wrote with him for that long. Did, did he give you any any pointers? Uh, he gave me a lot of pointers on what not to do, just from hmm. watching. <laughs> yeah. This is in life on the ring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How not to do life on the road. <laughs> yeah, that's very, very interesting. Observational there. <laughs> he's definitely, um, uh, he was definitely a character. We'll we'll say that. Just yeah. you never know. You never know what you were going to get. And in situations at restaurants where you didn't get what he ordered, and everybody in the restaurant knew about it. <laughs> uh, wow. I've been in the car with him one time. Late at night, it's one o'clock in the morning, and he had stopped at a road. We had stopped at a roadside fireworks stand earlier in the day. Got a bunch of Roman candles and bottle rockets and stuff. We're driving. I'm driving, of course. It's one o'clock in the morning. He's shooting bottle rockets and Roman candles out the window, and like the big Roman candles too. Mm. Wow, that seems a uh, very uh, <laughs> very interesting for a one one in the morning drive there. <laughs> you know what's funny is when you see stories like this or like any wrestler I hear say stuff like that or even like you know like Ken was saying about Benoit making us get you know sleep for two hours and go to the gym like they always sound like mean nasty like grizzled stories but if you just change your tone a little bit sometimes they're really really funny like mm. like that, that, you know like I was telling a story one time about uh, we were in Mexico and it was like me Paul London and Randy and he had like these crazy like explosive M80s like the kind you can only get in Mexico because they don't they outlaw them in the United States mm-hmm. so we're driving down the taxi you know kind of drunk half passed out in the back and then all of a sudden the back of the cab starts glowing I'm like what is that I'm like holy shit it's a fuse and he throws this like yeah. you know M80 out the window it explodes and then the taxi driver almost crashes the car thinking we're shooting guns back there you know like it was hilarious yeah yeah, that does seem that, that does seem pretty fun. I mean, you know, in hindsight, sometimes at the time, you know, people are just reacting like, "What in the world is going on?" But yeah, they're, I mean, trust me, like, funny to us. No one else thought it was funny. That cabbie didn't think it was funny, but I thought it was right. funny. <laughs> exactly. So, so this is this one's for you, Sean. Uh, it's been about eight eight years since you've been gone from WWE. Within those eight years, did, have they ever? called you to, to pitch you an idea to come back at all? Uh, not like an idea or nothing, but like, I think it was like 2012, I did a dark match on SmackDown. Um, uh, I think that was set up through Triple H. Maybe it was Johnny. I don't remember. But uh, yeah, I mean, that happened. And then like, you know, we've talked about doing some guest training gigs at NXT and stuff, but, but like not ideas or anything or not anything that was even like remotely close to like, hey, we want to bring you back. It was just like, hey, we hear you're healthy, or hey, we hear you're one of the guys that's still active, you know, and and then, I don't know, I guess they, I mean, they probably forget pretty quick, cause, or, you know, don't, apparently they destroy their tape library because they keep bringing you back to take a look at you. I was like, not much has changed. I'm a little older. I got a little more bags under my eyes, less hair on my head, but same guy. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. Um, how about you, Ken? No, no. I haven't uh, I haven't been involved. Hmm. Am I uh, holding my breath? <laughs> I no. <laughs> I I don't think uh either of one e- I think I don't think either of you should uh but it but it but, but it's actually a good thing for both of you which is you know uh you know very instrumental of, of opening the school and uh just really having an opportunity to endeavor and be your own bosses you know instead of listening to the man all the time. So 
Uh, that's yeah, so I've always wanted to to do just that. I, I've always wanted to be my own boss, to set my own hours, to not have to play the the company game and give yeah. the pat company answers. You know, even yeah. though that's probably something I should do more of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's talk some TNA real quick. Uh, we'll start with Ken, um, and this is this is for both of you. Uh, did TNA ever give you late pay? Uh, and if, if not, do you know anyone who? You don't have to say names if if you don't want to. But uh, do you know anyone who actually received late pay from TNA? We'll start with Ken. Yeah, Ken. Do you know anybody that's owed money from TNA? Oh man, I don't know anybody who's owed a, a lot of money from TNA. Like, <laughs> like. <laughs> Mid five figures money. <laughs> there's somebody, there's this guy that yells and screams his name a lot. I, I, I can't Does recall it do it twice? his name. But yes, yes, yes. Oh, okay. I, just can't, I just can't think of uh, who that guy might be. Yeah. So. Yeah, I heard about him somehow. Somehow, Mike yeah. descends from from the from the uh, rafters, and yeah, I've heard about him. I've heard about that guy. Um, <laughs> what, what about you, Sean? Do you know anybody other than no? The, when I was there, other than said guy, so I never like like I said, Panda was paying for everything when I was there. So like oh, nobody, yeah. is, guys got overpaid just because it was monopoly money. Hmm. So when I mean, was, I was one the, of the I found out later. Wow. So when was the transition from Panda to to Dixie? I have to say that with no matter what happens behind the scenes internally, that that roster works so hard. There Mm -hmm. were so many times that things would things were frustrating behind the scenes and of course like the, the internet the smart marks the stooges the critics whatever you want to call them like we're pounding the drums beating the drums saying that's it this is the end and our morale should have been so low and it never was it was incredibly high all the time no matter what and there were times where I, it was a time where i hadn't gotten paid for three months Wow. I had received a paycheck for three months. I was owed for something like 22 shows. And still went every week. And I still, you know, did my job. And, there, and I wasn't the only one. And that was the thing. I'm not the only one. And I believed in the company. And I believed that the company was just going through hardship and they would right that wrong. And they almost always did. Mm. So I have to give them that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's really a testimony to you and, and the passion that you have as a performer um, that you can translate to the the trainees. Um, you know that that's not necessarily a pay your dues story, but at the same time, you know you can certainly translate that to you know the kids that come you know to the camp as far as hey listen you're you know there's there's some times where you're going to be starting with companies and you're going to get pennies on the dollar. Uh, but you have to grind it out. I mean, you know, we've all, all three of us have heard many, many stories of people who've been wrestling 30 years of, you know, they'll, they'll get pennies on the dollar, you know, with shows, but you know, they, they became, you know, very well known because of the passion and the fact that they're not 
solely in it for the money. Because if I mean, if you're in wrestling solely for the money, starting out, I mean, you should pick somewhere else to go because <laughs> that's, that's right. a wrong choice. <laughs> Flat out. So. Yeah, I always well, say you that. count we, the we time you work from like the second you walk out your front door to the second you come back. We probably get paid like a dollar an hour. Yeah. Yeah. yeah interesting. And, and, that, and that's a, and that's the, hardest, a, hurts the most pays the least. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, yeah, I remember you saying that before. Uh, Sean, that's a, that's a good point that you made. Uh, as far as as far as pay is concerned, so we've you know there's been a lot of reports talking about how, um, you know you you get a certain amount of money from the WWE, and by the time it dwindles down, you're only making you know average wage. What are your thoughts on that? Have you did you experience basically the similar same thing, or was it or are those allegations from other wrestlers way off? I don't believe that's the case at all. I don't know anyone that worked there that wasn't living comfortably. If not, like that's the bottom guy lives comfortably, and then the guys above that live well. Like, I, I just know how comfortable I was and how much money I was making, and I was always somewhere in the middle. And I was going, man, if I made like half this much, I'd still live really well. And if I made yeah. 10 times as much, I'd live even better. So <laughs> I hear a lot of guys say that, and I understand why they're saying it. It's because when that phone call doesn't come ever, they could say like, oh, I, I don't want to go back anyways because I don't get paid nothing. I'm like, mm. whatever. Like, <laughs> you live in an apartment now, you live in a seven-bedroom house then. Like, yeah, you must, right. they must not pay that well. <laughs> yeah, that like makes sense. Sports, you guys think that they're going to continue making that kind of paycheck forever. They're just, and, mm-hmm. they, and they live excessively. Not only yeah. are they living comfortably, they're living excessively. I mean, I, I knew guys that had five cars and a giant house in the giant pool in their backyard, in a grotto, and, you know, state-of-the-art camera system in their house, and all the newest gadgets, and the nicest clothes, and Louis Vuitton luggage, and Rolexes, and, you know, I mean, and then the minute they get fired, shit, what do we do now? Hmm. How do we pay our bill? (laughs) Because they... They uh, splurged way too much. Yeah, and it happens so, in every single sport with every walk of, of professional athlete. You know, you yeah. hear the horror stories coming out of the NBA and NFL, Major League Baseball. Guys don't save their money, and they end up really, really poor. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. If you yeah. go to like uh, pawn shops in major markets like Vegas, New York, Los Angeles. Go to like a pawn shop like in the middle of the city, like downtown. And you'll be amazed at how many, like, NBA rings and Super Bowl rings you'll see, like, at pawn shops. And you're like, man, mm. these guys got into that position where they had to pawn their, like, championship rings to, yeah. you know, rent or whatever. Yeah, that's that's definitely sad. It's definitely all about management. A uh, couple more questions. Uh, we'll start off with Ken here. So what is who who was the most difficult wrestler you've ever worked with? Difficult. I mean, you know, most of the guys at WWE, they're not difficult. It's always, it's always when you work with people who are inexperienced. There were some guys on independence that I worked with who were difficult in the sense that they didn't get it. They didn't get that what we do is we go out there and we entertain people. And sometimes you got to lose and sometimes you have to win. And the whole 
the whole show is one continuous story. So it's really hard to put a name, you know, a name to a face. But you know, there were some independent wrestlers out there, especially when I was starting out, that really just made it difficult. And and at the time, I remember I knew better, hmm. and I would just. Whatever you want to do. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't want to do that? Okay. That's cool. You don't want to put me over? Uh, okay. Fine. Fine. So. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that was a very uh, uh, Mike Pence, uh, Tim Kane answer there, Ken. Great job. So how about you, uh, Sean? <laughs> what was that? Uh, how about you, the most difficult wrestler that you've, you've worked with? Ken Kennedy. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. We no, keep uh, talking about this guy. <laughs> kind of what Ken said, like, it, it, it's really hard to wrestle guys that didn't know their spot on the card. And I'm not saying spot as in, like, you're a jabroni and you're a superstar. I mean, what they add to the card. Gotcha. Sometimes people didn't get that, and they didn't know what, you know, the office. And whether they're right or wrong, the office doesn't always know what's best, but they're the office. It's their show. They, you know, you work for them. You do what your boss says. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys didn't get that. And, you know, they would want to go out there and do – ABC and you go, guys, this is match number two leading into the girls leading to mission. Like that's, that's not us. Or, or like, Hey, we're right after intermission. We got to start slow. Cause the people are just coming back from buying John Cena shirts. Like mm-hmm. not knowing what you're supposed to, that got really, really hard. And th- like I said, there were some guys that it was the other way around. It was like time. Hey, we got to step it up. Get off your lazy ass. Like we're, we're, we're leading in the semi main. Like let's do something. Come on, come on, come on. That was always the hardest to me. Cause I was, I always took a very business approach to it. Like, yeah, there's servicing the fans, but usually if the office doesn't have a clue, you're put there for a reason to accomplish this tonight. And a lot of guys right. didn't know what that was. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. So my last question for the both of you, we'll start off with you, Sean. If there was one more WWE match that you could have uh, at WrestleMania 33, you can't say, Ken, who would it be against? Someone who's on the active roster. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I, it was actually took the words right out of my mouth. I was gonna say it would be Ken. Like that would be, like I said, we. I, I was actually just flipping through photos the other day. I have, and I was like, me and Ken probably had about 120, 200 matches that like nobody in the world has seen. Like mm. it, it's it's crazy that we haven't ever had a chance to do something on a platform that people could see. Like we did stuff on a platform that's like super near and dear to my heart. Like in Minneapolis, right after you know, like I had my last match on the Indies with Ken before I went to WWE and. Mm-hmm. And that was like a, a nice one, you know. But yeah, I, I can't, I can't. Maybe my little brother does he count as a WB guy? Because he's the no, he, yeah, he, accounts, yeah. You can say that. Yeah, that works. Yeah. You know, I I would have to say, you know, aside from Davari, um, AJ Styles. I mean, like I I always loved working with AJ at TNA. I got the mm-hmm. chance to work with him several times. He's just. I, I said it tonight when I was tweeting during while we were watching SmackDown. I think he's the best best in the world today. He's come yes. around so much. I remember back in the day watching him, and he was just this, just like a spot, 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 crash and burn, turn and burn all the time. And then you know, I believe it was Booker T had a real hand in sort of reeling him in and saying, "No, we're gonna listen to the people." We're going to not give them everything all the time. We're going mm. to tease them. We're going to take it away, and then we're going to give it to them eventually. Um, but just you know, watching him cut promos, he went from, you know, years ago, it was, it was hard to watch. It was hard to watch AJ cut promos. Mm. Not, yeah. you know, I, I love watching him do just about anything in the ring today. I will say that 
and I, and I said this last week, Dabari and I did a, did a podcast together, that, you know, he was the guy that got, that, that had the match, the match for me that was probably the most poignant in my career. And that was, we were at WWE. I was at WWE. He was already working there. I went in for a tryout. We were standing outside the ring next to each other. And Finley just pointed at us and said, you and you get in the ring. Give us five minutes. Go. And Tavari said, I know exactly what they're looking for. Just listen to me. And we had so much stuff in the tank. Like he just said, we had worked 200 times together on the indies. We had so much stuff in the tank that he would just call, you know, all he needed to do was say a couple words, and I knew exactly what he wanted to do. We told mm-hmm. a good little story in five minutes, and it was because of that, you know, Arn Anderson came up to me the next day, and he said, hey, hey kid, uh, I saw that match you had with that Taliban kid yesterday. Uh, that was a hell of a match. And then from there, he said, hey, the next time we have hirings around here, I'm going to make sure that I stick my neck out there. I'm going to put you in the hat. And you, you're, you're supposed to believe half of what you, half of what you hear, or none of what you hear, and, and half of what you see in the wrestling business. So I didn't know. I just took it with a grain of salt. And sure enough, the next time there was around hirings, it was Paul Heyman, it was Tommy Dreamer, and it was Arn Anderson that went to bat for me. And in a large part, that was because of Sean Demar. Nice. And hence the reason why you guys are teaming up for for uh, a training school. Well, let's get back to that. Let's get back to plugging that. I got one question uh, that was actually sent to me, um, and it's leading into the um, the back end plug of the of the training school. Uh, and I want to plug it in a different way to uh, the question first is: Can one train to be a referee uh, at the school? That was uh, asked to me. And then the second question to, to, to close this out is, you know, you guys talked about spots and just some things that uh, in, in the WWE that this needs to be toned down. What can the school um, teach? What can the academy teach uh, to aspiring wrestlers uh, that is different from some things that we see that can be more of a risk of an injury? What can the academy offer uh, for for those students, uh, we'll start with Ken. So yes, anybody can train to be a referee. We don't just take aspiring wrestlers. We take uh, aspiring valets, wrestlers, referees. Look, if if you're 350 pounds and don't have an athletic bone in your body, but you feel like you have something to offer to the wrestling business, and you want an opportunity to learn what it is that we do we're going to give you that opportunity. And in the same sense, somebody comes to our school to be a wrestler and realizes after two or three days of bumping and falling down that it hurts and that it sucks and they don't want to do it and they want to take a different role. Hey, that's fine too. Yeah. I think one of the things that we're going to really focus on, Sean and I have really talked about this, the, the issue with concussions and what we know about concussions today and the effects that concussions can have on you later on in life. I mean, we both experience it to a great degree uh, or to a significant degree. And that's one of the things that we want to make sure that we're not going to go and, and beat our kids up. We're not going to go in and make them pay their dues by taking a thousand bumps in a week. We're going to teach people how to do things right, how to think, how to do things safely, 
and we're going to take precautions. WWE right now, when they have new students, they use headgear and mouth cards. We plan on doing the same. Well said. Sean, closes out, man. Why should someone who was in the Minnesota area and, and hundreds of miles away come to the academy? Well, it, it's kind of like Ken said a little bit earlier, you know, with, with like the old way of doing things was like bump, bump, bump and run the ropes and squat till you puke and stuff. And, and that's just kind of the way it's always been. But like he said, there, there's so many ways to be successful in wrestling that me and Ken always have like in life, probably why we click, you know, so well as buddies at, in the business, like so open-minded, there's not a right or wrong way to do things. You can be successful in any way, shape or form. We've seen it. We believe it. And we can offer that. Whereas I know from my experience, this wrestling school, this is right wrestling. This is wrong wrestling. And then you go to this wrestling school and this is right wrestling. And this is wrong wrestling. Me and Ken don't have an idea of right or wrong. We just have an idea of is the audience entertained? If they got their money's worth, what they paid for admission, uh, then, then it's right. We went to actually, it was funny. We were just scouting different wrestling schools and getting ideas of, you know, like I said, what's missing, what's not there. And we went to this one wrestling school that was like their like student showcase show, where it's like just the students were putting on shows and they're only people in attendance, like friends and family. And those people went bananas. It was some of the worst, crappiest wrestling I've ever seen, but the audience was going nuts. And then I was like, this isn't wrong. Like, it, they suck. They need way more talent. They need way more time and experience and training but the audience was entertained. And so it was a good show. And that's, that's what we want. You want to go to WWE? That's your good show. We'll take you there. You want to go to TNA? That's your good show. We want to take you there. You want to go to Japan? That's the good show. We want to take you there. You, I feel hmm. we're going to have the biggest success rate out of our school. We maybe have the best wrestlers. Maybe we don't have the best wrestlers. Maybe we're the funniest. Maybe we're the worst talkers. Who knows? But I think successful people, there's going to be more coming out of our school than anywhere else. Well said, man. I, I'm 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 really rooting for the both of you, um, and I know that you'll do fantastic. So, uh, Sean closes out. Let it, again let the listeners know uh, where can they contact you uh, and or Ken to uh, enroll in the school. So you can go to the academyprowrestling.com, dot com, the Academy Pro Wrestling, all one word, and then on there you can find out more information, links to our social media, our Instagram, our Facebook. Uh, we have our contact cell phones, our emails on there. They can get a hold of us. And right now we're just running a first class special. We're calling it that for our first class until October 31st, our first class starts November 1st. So up until October 31st or until that first class fills up, we're having a thousand dollar special. A thousand dollars gets you a year's worth of training at the Academy. uh, And you can start November 1st. If that class fills up, our price for tuition is regularly $3,000. So if you want to save two grand, Sign up now before the class is full or October 31st and spend your training with me and Ken and, and kick off your wrestling career. Fantastic. Uh, what's the website one more time? Theacademyprowrestling.com. Again, that's theacademyofprowrestling.com. Sean Navari, Ken Anderson, it's been a pleasure having both of you on my show twice. Um, you have not overstayed your welcome. Thank Thanks you very much, Chris. Always, uh, always a good time. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I really appreciate y'all. I, I'm I really wishing really y'all the best, and I'm really happy that you all are are, are doing this. It, it's really good for for wrestlers to 
to have this type of exposure for, from two former WWE stars and, and people who know their stuff and have been doing it for nearly 20 years. So uh, hats off to you, to you both, and I wish you all the best. Well, we'd love to Thanks, have man. you come out sometime and uh, maybe do a, a, a live uh, podcast from the school or something. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. All right, you threw that idea, so I'm going to go ahead and capture it and run with it then. Sounds good. Right, See you, have a good night. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners, three. Our mind. Let's go. The whole squad is making it clear. We've taken this year. You know who we are, but you don't know why we here. So this is where the big boys play. These big boys play. Like who defies the living God? Get out the big boys' way. Outsiders with the swoop in. We live as kings. You see in us, but our third man waits in the wings. And when the time is right, we shock him with the proper attack. I go for Dolo, but ain't solo. Cut the promo in black. Hollywood, Hendrix, Frizzle, pinning them. To the max. And I'm Das Wonderkin with the strength of a hundred men. With one intent to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself. But you rap about your gaps and your rags torture. White coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome, never lost faith. You in all space, you can all skate, suffer but never cripple. No bin walls in my cross face. <laughs> From here to Saturday, Raven, anticipating. I was frostbit, now I am Glacier, mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals using. God for my defense in Alabama We jamming, that's beautiful Bobby Eaton, me and Priest We the dangerous alliance, nah, the Harlem Heat Tie the do-rag before we do battle You're talking sheep, you all what you speak This too sweet Till the number is took back We repping that wolf pack The foundation shaking, no mistaking Yeah, we shook that Trust in God, we trust Pushing forward, never look back Meekness ain't at all weakness Some people mistook that Stamping out this crook rap He turning the power we're on, on the razor's edge, leg drop after a power bomb. Tired of the lies, man, we bringing the truth through. Diligent and fruitful, the owners in our group too. It's good to be king, sold out this war is brutal. We playing them war games, our army go move too. You through, I'm in the Raptors with a bat in my hand. And stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter. In the grand scheme, it's that easy. We tag teaming, Steiner brothers, we love it. Demand the win, establish it. This the clash of the champions. <laughs> this is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. And again, we'd like to thank Ken Anderson and Sean Davari uh, for being on the show live. Uh, very, very interesting stuff. Very uh, happy. Very. Uh, um, I'm honored uh, that uh, they, they would choose me to uh, to be on the show live. So without further ado, uh, for the sake of time, we're going to bring in my boy, uh, my, my g- good friend of mine, uh, or also fellow podcaster from um, Off the Ropes uh, uh, podcast, ladies and gentlemen, once again. Uh, we are going to bring him in, and we're actually—he's actually going to be the 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 uh, the go the the—he's going to be the co-host um, for for this show uh, for the next following weeks during political season, um, and it's going to be really really interesting. So uh, let's start off. Let's start off at the right at the heels of the uh, the vice presidential debate. Without further ado, he's back. Ladies and gentlemen, off the roads podcast on 
Todd Fisher. How are you tonight, sir? Hey there, Chris. Long time caller, first time listener. Excited to talk to you tonight. <laughs> Indeed, it so is. I say, I say we get to the office tomorrow. We tell the boss we quit. We head to Minnesota. Here's the plan: either we become referees or we become ringside announcers. What do you think? I'm in, man. <laughs> Sounds good. I just uh, as we long as get the wife on board. Uh, as long as it doesn't take my pay uh, away from the uh, artist, the, 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 what I write about. Uh, and, um, <laughs> yeah, from the, my paid sites and, uh, my, uh, almost doctorate, as long as it doesn't take away from that, man, I, I think that, uh, we, we can both make that decision to clock out for good where we're at and, uh, endeavor in exactly. those careers. Yeah. You can oh, write no, your, man. you can write your articles and do your schooling, uh, on, it's all online anyways. You can do that in Minnesota. You I can sure have the can. internet now. Yes, indeed I can. Sounds good to me. Sounds good. So let's get let's get into the VP debates, man. So uh the the the, the floor is yours. Uh let me know your thoughts. Well, you know, as frustrating as it was for the presidential debates last week, I had the same frustration this week, sort of, because you know, last week we had Trump that was just constantly interrupting Clinton. And just rambling all over the place and just seemed so disorganized. And it's just like, dude, can you have a coherent thought? But tonight, instead, it flipped and it felt like, you know, Kane was just all over the place, constantly interrupting uh, Mike Pence because he, it's like he was trying to force the, the Democratic, uh, the Democrat uh, um, talking points in. No matter what the, the subject was, he had to get that tax thing in, had to make sure he get that in. We're, we're talking about Iran right now. Yes, but Trump didn't pay taxes. He doesn't support troops. Uh, yeah. It's like, dude, that makes no sense. What are you talking about? And I, I think I, I, I Facebooked you earlier, and I, and I was like, I swear it looks like Pence is just staring a hole through Kane, like he wants to <laughs> smack the snot out of him. It, it, it's just like, would you shut up? I'm trying to talk here, make a serious point, and you're just like a rabbit little monkey. So it's... It, <laughs> It's like Hillary's got her own junior Trump on her team. Yes. And in that hyperactive attack attack mode, whereas Trump has a junior Hillary who's very controlled, very on point, very on message, and will not be deterred by the hyperactive monkey over in the corner. So <laughs> it's frustrating because, you know, I'm trying to hear what Pence has to say, because I think he was making some excellent points, but Kane wouldn't shut up for a second. And the moderator, which can we just acknowledge at this point, the media bias towards the towards the Democrats. I mean, is is there anyone out there that doubts that there's a media bias? She just let it go and let it go and let it go and let it go. It's like, oh, can you shut him up for a minute? Am I am I wrong there? Um, do you think even Elaine was uh was favorable for the for the Dems? Oh well, yeah, she I mean every time every time Kane would interrupt, Pence would at, would 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 say can, would look at her and say, Can I please finish? I, well, I just want to hear what he want he has to say. Mm. That's not how a debate works. You shut up yeah. until it's your turn. That's how a debate works. Yeah. Yeah. I 
I, I think it was just I think it was a cluster mess light to be honest with you. I, I think mm-hmm. the uh, uh, the the original debate last on the twenty sixth uh, was just uh, uh, utter catastrophe. Um, I don't think this one was different uh, as far as I think the the level of it was was smaller. Um, but but you know it, it just it, I think Kane. I think Tim Kaine was a it was a coming out party in a very bad way for Tim Kaine mm-hmm. um, because because this was the this is the one and only debate for the for the VPs and to have Hillary Clinton who we you know we both have made very have made you know very clear that uh, you know just from a from a moral standpoint from from all different types of standpoints, uh, policy, you name it. But it, it's like, you know, one thing that we can respect is, you know, the composure that she had uh, opposite Trump at the debate. That's that's one thing that, you know, that's one of the biggest things that uh, she had was her temperament. And by the way, uh, I am live, uh, <laughs> excuse me, I'm Facebook Live for the first time. Uh, in 236 shows, I am I am Facebook Live of the Pancakes and Power Sam show. I was uh, the raw review last night. Um, we got a lot of um, a lot of uh, positive feedback about people wanting me to be live on the show. Uh, so yeah, I am I am here and and we are live Facebook. So we're always looking for some good Q and A as well. But um, as far as your thoughts as well. But yeah, I you know. This time, I, I really don't think either side did a very good job with pinpointing the questions that were asked, and I, and I, didn't, I didn't like that at all, um, because I, and I understand as politicians you learn you, you learn to divert. I, I get that you learn to do that, but us as viewers. You know, and I can say I can say for myself specifically as a viewer, I'm thinking, okay, answer the question, <laughs> and you know, yeah. with the Korea and just you know, and Elaine, she she did that a, a couple times, you know, with with both of them, when you know she asked about Korea, they both start talking about you know their opponent and you know the taxes and the emails, and at the end of that just you know, tirade. Yeah. So what about Korea? I mean, that's what we were talking about. And, <laughs> you know, and it's just, it, it just really boils down to this is probably the, no, this isn't probably, this is without a doubt the ugliest election I've ever been a part of. And, you know, you, you've got a few elections on me uh, and, and, you know, you, you've, uh, you, you've got uh, That's the nicest uh, the way original. anyone has ever called me old Thanks Chris, appreciate that <laughs> You know you, 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 well, you've, got, you've got two elections on me I think you've got me by about nine or Nine years or so So you've got two elections on me um, But yeah I mean even even with that So two elections, my, my first election Was um, Was Bush Gore so it was 2000, I believe. Um, yeah. So, 
So yours was uh, a Bush um, senior, right? The first one, I, the first one I participated in, or the first one I yeah. paid attention to. The first one you were eligible to vote. Oh, the first one I eligible to vote. That yeah, that was uh, that was Bush senior and uh, and uh, what Mondale. Yeah, Walter Mondale. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. So that was my first vote, and mm-hmm. and I am not even gonna lie. No, no, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't Bush Mondale. It was uh, Bush Clinton. Yeah, it was Bush Clinton because I, I because I was because I was too young for Bush Mondale. I was a I was a junior in high school, and then by the time that came around, it was Bush Clinton, and and I. I learned a lesson about voting your your conscience, and that's mm-hmm. right. I voted Ross Perot. <laughs> yeah, Ross Perot. Can, can oh, yeah. I finish? Can yeah, I finish? Can, can I finish? <laughs> can I finish? Yeah, I, I, he was the first billionaire that I thought, you know what? Hey, why not put someone in there that knows about running a business? You know, yeah. can we take a break from these politicians for a little while? And I voted Ross Perot, and we ended up with Bill Clinton. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Bill Clinton is partially my fault. I admit that. Yeah, every time, every time you get with those independent voters or those uh, nowadays libertarians and Green Party, uh, you know, it's <laughs> it, you know, it takes away from from some from for some notable voters, man. And that's why I keep looking at Gary Johnson, and I remember Ross Perot, and then I look back. Don't do it. Yeah. Ross Perot, don't, don't do it. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, lesson. Yeah. I think, you know, I th- again, man, I, I think it really boils down to this was, and I'm looking forward to after the show, listening to the, uh, to the post uh, debate review. Um. But it, but again, it just boils down to this was the one and only shot that they had an opportunity to really um, to really plug their 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 superiors, I guess you can say. And I don't think that either one of them did a, a good job. I, I don't I don't think so. I think Pence had. A, I think if I could pick a winner, see, here's the thing. I think Pence blew him out the park the first half. And then, because Trump is so, Trump has con- contaminated listeners so much um, because he defers all the time and because he's put, he put, and I wrote, like I wrote on the, uh, in, on the Inquisitor, um, he put uh, Pence in such a, a, just a very steep climb uh, that, you know, I will award Pence for doing his best to to try to really uh, smooth out the patches that you know many people from from both sides uh, agree that uh, the Trump has uh, had um, over the past few weeks. But you know, again, you know, I'm I'm just saying from from again, this is from the undecided vote. This this vice presidential debate did not do anything to sway me at all. And, and I can I can definitely see from an undecided viewer uh, standpoint, I can see where it wouldn't. I mean, you're right, and I think it really comes down to the media bias. 
It really, really does. Because they're doing such a hatchet job. I mean, it's just, I wa- I'm watching it from afar. And because, you know, I have nothing better to do all day but read news websites. And I read it from every news website. I read HuffPo. I read Breitbart. I read far left, far right, and as centrist as I can find. And it, without, you know, Breitbart, without a doubt, is just so far deep in Trump's pocket. It's not funny. But everything else just seems to be so anti-Trump to the point where a couple different points that I, since I have a, a fairly large audience tonight to talk about this more than I ever get on my Facebook or my Twitter, there, there's two points that I want to make, if you don't mind, if you'll indulge me. Go for it. In regards to Trump's tax return. If you did not pay a single cent in taxes and got a large refund, shut up about Donald Trump's <laughs> refund, uh, not paying taxes, you've done the exact same thing. He's just doing it on a larger scale. Mm-hmm. Two, the, the clip that's come out where Trump's calling uh, uh, soldiers the PTSD and, and mocking them for not being able to handle it. What you're not seeing is a much larger clip where he's talking to veterans who have suffered through PTSD, talking about how some guys handle it differently and some guys can't handle it as well as they're handling it, and we need to give attention to those people. The 22 Mm -hmm. veterans that commit suicide every day are continue to be ignored by this administration, and their deplorable reaction to the VA and and the service that veterans like myself and other veterans received from the VA is so deplorable that it's disgusting on how we're treated. And that needs to have attention. But the media is going to twist that to say that Trump thinks that if you have PSD, you just can't handle it. You're just a wimp. It's making me, that makes me so angry. So do mm-hmm. your research. You know, you, I, I'm, I know you and I've talked about it. And before you make a decision, all of you listeners out there, do your research. Don't just go to the half puddle. Don't just go to PolitiFact. Don't look for not just where you're reading, but where's that source? Where's that coming from? Who funds that website? Don't trust Breitbart. Don't trust The Blaze and Glenn Beck. Don't trust HuffPo. Don't trust PolitiFact. They all have agendas. Do deep research. If you see a video, watch the whole video so you see the unedited uh, version, both for Trump and Hillary. Very, very well said, man. I think that's, I think that that's the point. I think that that's very, very, very true. Uh, and that's that's where I'm at. I mean, I, you know, I, I write for Inquisitor. I, I have to dig. I mean, you know, I, I write lengthy pieces, and I have to dig, 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 and dig um, every single time. And you know, there are sources that, yeah, you know. It, on the front end, I had this conversation last week. You know, as a writer, on the front end, as the viewer, it's polished. It's the final project. But on the back mm-hmm. end, as I'm writing the piece, I've got probably about 30 tabs <laughs> on my on my computer. <laughs> and for some reason, it just gets my computer just gets slower and slower and slower, and it's just. Uh, I've got so much research up as I'm writing these things um, that it, that's basically what I do on the back end. And it's just, 
you know, you just can't put it together. It's just, there's some deep research that needs to be done. And, and that's mm-hmm. the reason, you know, that's, that's the main reason why I'm still undecided because based on what I've seen from both sides, it's just like, man, I don't, I just don't have the, it's just not there, you know, as far as what I want. And I think you brought up a pretty good point about the PTSD as a, as a counselor and a psychologist, you know, I, I learn about that stuff firsthand uh, and you real time, you know, experience that yourself as a vet. Uh, um, mm-hmm. And so, and, and 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 the thing is, is that you know it's important to to listen to the whole thing, and that's and that's with anything, just to, to listen to the whole thing. And I will say this, uh, as far as the taxes are concerned, uh, I do agree with you as far as you know people who receive returns, you know they don't have anything to to, um, to complain about. I, I totally one hundred percent agree with that. Uh, but this is my biggest thing about the tax returns. Um, and this is from many, many sources, just looking, just looking and watching and looking and just digging. If, if Trump would have came with that from the very beginning, as far as saying, Hey, I benefited from that. I would have been totally okay. I don't, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think that there's an argument with that. It's like, hey, listen, I I'm going to turn in my tax returns. Uh, there's nothing to hide. I haven't paid taxes in 22 years, and that's, that's how it is. You would want to do that too. I I wish that that was his initial approach, um, but you know, there's no need to skirt around it, and there's no need to hide anything. There's no need to, you know, to 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 talk about people uh, in former interviews who pay little taxes and, and scoff at them and, and you're that same person. You know what I mean? So that's that's what yeah. I don't like. I, I don't I don't like that. Why scoff at someone when you're doing the exact same thing? Come from come from the gate telling people, hey, I don't pay my taxes. You know, I, well I don't I don't pay any taxes uh and that I benefit from it. If you would have came out that from the very get go, it would have been a different approach for me personally. And see, here's the other thing. Here's the other flip side of that. <clears throat> Meanwhile, who's saying anything about the Clinton's tax returns? Who's, what do you know about the 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 Clinton chair, the Clinton Foundation's tax uh, tax uh, forms? Probably very little. But if you look into them, they're actually available online. They received, mm-hmm. I think it was last year, 137 million dollars in charitable donations. Yeah. They used. $5 million for charitable work. Less than 5% of what they took in for donations actually went out to help anyone. Which, yeah. on the surface, you think that's kind of that's kind of a jerky thing to do. But what's bigger than that? It's actually a they, they should lose their tax-exempt status as a charitable foundation. Because by federal law, you have to spend at least 5% of your uh, uh, donations in charitable work, mm-hmm. but instead they're spending less than five percent. They're in violation of federal law, yet again, and no one cares. <laughs> yeah, no one cares. Right. Oh, they yeah. just made a mistake. They just nah, don't worry about that. Well, let me ask you this before we before we get before we scrunch up um, the rest of the show. 
in yeah, yeah, yeah. fifteen minutes in fifteen minutes time. Um <laughs> let me let me ask you this. Um if Trump's and, and this is and this is how I feel about this, if Trump wasn't so outspoken about things and so critical about things from a from a hothead point of view, do you think mm-hmm. that the do you think that the spotlight would be on him less if he didn't have that that uh, very poor temperament? I don't think so at all. Hmm. I, I think, I think, and this is what happens with demagogues. He's a demagogue. Let's just uh, let's just acknowledge that. Uh, as much as Hillary is, I, I think he is saying things that that the average person is thinking. That the majority hmm. of average people are thinking. Of you know. To, to boil it down, why is there, why is there so many illegal immigrants in this country? You know why why is this? Why is that? You know, you're supposed to be you know you you there in Washington are supposed to be fixing this. How come you're not doing this? I think I think as a country, America is. I forget what movie it's from or where uh, we're mad as hell and we ain't gonna take it anymore. Mm. You know, and, and I think he's just voicing. He, he's latched onto that. He's voicing it, and that's why he's got such popularity. And and people are just so blindly uh, I following him. That's it. why he had so much popularity. Uh, I think his I think his popularity is dwindling tremendously, based on, you know, people like you who were very critical of Trump when Cruz was around for what he's doing now. Now, you know, now. You you don't support it, but you defend it because that's your role as a conservative. It's kind of like a creed that you follow, which I which I respect. But I just I don't I don't think I don't think that I don't think that his support base is increasing on this on this platform. I think from a anti-establishment and we kind of talked about this last week from an anti-establishment platform. Yes, um, but from a presidential pa- platform, no. That's uh, that's that's what I've witnessed over the past few weeks. Well, I don't know. Check the Gridiac polls. Polls. Mm-hmm. I, I believe I'm saying that right. Those are the most scientific available. Gridiac, yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, in most battleground states, he was he is currently within the margin of error, with the exception of Ohio. Yeah. Ohio and Florida. I mean, he's a, Ohio, he's got a six-point lead. Mm-hmm. The last when I checked earlier today, it was a six-point lead. Oh, and Florida, he's got a yeah. Florida, he's got a I think a four-point lead. Mm-hmm. He's but, went down in Philly though, uh, and then LeBron James uh, may hurt him uh, endorsing uh, Clinton. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I, I have I have an hour and a half to criticize both of them. <laughs> so <laughs> that's basically. We should do a special. We should just do a special. What I hate about both of them uh, shows yes. sometimes. <laughs> I I agree, and this is and, and basically this is this is where the soundbout is going to come in. Uh, this is what uh, Hillary Clinton has done to her emails. Delete, 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 delete. Absolutely, I want to. I want to meme. Um, I want to meme about that tomorrow. 
right. I'll make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. I will put that on a great wrestling show as as quick as you could say. Delete. <laughs> I'll put that on the page for sure. All right, we are very very crunched to time, so let's get to the headlines. <laughs> Okay, so the condensed version about the headlines. Well, I'll just say all the headlines I have for this week, uh, you can find most of them on the Crave Wrestling site. And um, we'll just, uh, I'll save them, and uh, you'll just give me your, your thoughts on them. RVD still in the WWE contract, has been contacted for nearly a year. Very interesting. Um, <clears throat> Goldberg well, they did try to get a hold of him, but he was just too high and didn't hear the phone. Yes, uh, yeah, that, that, that probably... Is what happened. <laughs> Very true. Um, Goldberg closer to signing with WWE. Uh, Alberto El Patron uh, stabbed at a restaurant shortly before his flight to AAA. That's the reason why he didn't show up. Uh, they thought that he uh, pulled a no-show again, but he was stabbed. Speaking of stabbed, uh, Jamie Noble also stabbed. Um, uh, someone thought that he was veering them off. Uh, it was a few, it was a few people. One person thought he was veering them off. And, uh, yeah, he, there was a scuffle. Uh, he was, the, the perpetrator was taken down and, and stabbed uh, uh, Noble multiple times. So he had to have emerging surgery because he started to, um, blood started to fill up on his lungs. So that was no good. But he's, uh, he's good to go. Uh, pictures are on the Crave Wrestling site. Um, Dixie Carter admits the WWE was in talks of purchasing TNA. Uh, but she's, you know, pep talking the, the the boys and the girls in the back saying, oh, we're good. You know, we're, we're good. You know, this, there was talks, but, you know, we're not going to do anything. And then finally, Ric Flair <clears throat> claiming that he had sex with Holly Berry. And then uh, <laughs> according to him, she, uh, she wrote on Sp- old Space Mountain. Uh, but you know her reps were just quick to to charge and chime in and say that, that you know this guy's just loony. He's uh, almost seven years old. He's loony and uh, he's he's doing that gimmick way too seriously. What are your thoughts That's on those uh, headlines for today uh, for this week? Well, you, you missed you missed the more important the most important headline as far as I can tell. Gilbert and James Ellsworth have finally met. And and Gilbert is looking ripped, and James Ellsworth yeah. still has no chin. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, Gilbert was on the uh, Edge and Christian show that totally reeks of awesomeness on the network, and uh, and he looked pretty good. He looked basically the same as he did twenty years ago. He actually uh, looks well, more buff now. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. He has an age. Is what I'm saying. Like, he has an age, yeah. really. Um, but yeah, he, he looks uh, more fit for sure. All right, so our, what was... uh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just no, going to make, some, some I was just gonna make a, a goofy joke about Alberto uh, just wanting to take uh, publicity away from Jamie Noble getting stabbed and just being a yeah. copycat. <laughs> uh, that, is a, that is a desperate effort to take some publicity away for sure. Uh, definitely. All right, so what are your raw, what's your role in SmackDown? Uh, Review. Uh, uh, let's let's start. Let's let's do our my Raw and SmackDown uh, theme song. Uh, we're going to get to the review right quick. Here we go. Hey, 
right. So what are your takeaways from Raw and SmackDown? Real quick, Raw. I love that they're gonna. I, I love that they they they're gonna finish the Rusev Reigns in the Hell in the Cell. Finally, mm-hmm. they're gonna use the Hell in the Cell properly in a yes. in a proper blow off. And instead of just saying, "Hey, here's Hell in the Cell," hey, Shane's gonna jump off. Well, so we're gonna have an actual an actual blow off match in the Hell in the Cell, which with two guys that I'm not a huge Roman fan. You know that. It, but I think it's two guys that can actually go brutal and make that match look brutal throughout that yeah. whole match. I'm actually kind of excited for a Roman Reigns match, as hard as that is. Uh, you're coming around, I'm telling you, man. <laughs> um, let's see, skip forward, skip forward a bunch of stuff. Uh, I love the Kevin Owens and uh, Jericho uh, promo in the middle of the show. I thought it was excellent. Uh, although it's got to be so frustrating to those two guys like them and I'd love a chance to ask them how frustrating it must be that they're trying so hard to be heels but the crowd just loves them so mm-hmm. much that they just keep putting them over when they're supposed to be getting booed but everyone just loves chanting stupid idiot and, and my best friend and it <laughs> and all the all the great catchphrases the two of those just just they're magic they're, and they're on right now I love that and as much as I'm not a big fan of women's wrestling um, I really enjoyed uh, the 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 uh, main event. Oh well. yeah, I agree. What, what about SmackDown? Uh, SmackDown, SmackDown. Eh, I forgot that they have a network special this Sunday. Yeah, no mercy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah I'm we like, got oh, predictions hey, this weekend. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's Sunday. Uh, I'm glad you said something. But, <laughs> we have predictions every show before before a pay per view, and I <laughs> have to pull that exactly. up. Exactly. That's and, and they're shoot they're shooting these networks network spe- I'm calling them network specials. I'm not calling mm-hmm. them pay per views anymore because so far they haven't put on anything that's worth be that I would have paid for uh, yeah. if I didn't have the network. Um, if you haven't watched SmackDown and you're listening to us, uh, tune out because I'm going to spoil something for you. Huge return. Spirit Squad back in yes. the office SmackDown. Yes. And I absolutely loved it. Oh, man. It was like, I was marking out for real. Yes. I, I, you know, you know, so funny. My wife is, uh, <laughs> she loves that I'm a wrestling fan, but, you know, and, and there, are, there are spurts in our six-year marriage that she has tried to watch wrestling with me. Uh, she has no qualms at all that I'm a diehard wrestling fan. She she she's totally one billion percent fine with it. Uh, she loves me so much that she's actually tried to watch wrestling with me, and mo- like uh, almost hundred percent of the time she would fall asleep. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and 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 you know that's that's basically. To me, and that, this is the reason why I always judge from a, a, a casual standpoint. You know, my someone like my wife is the perfect example of people who are over uh, because she is the most casual of casual wrestling fans. She's she's not even a wrestling fan. <laughs> she, she she's the uh, uh, you know a de facto watcher because her husband gets paid the right for it and loves it and is a lifer. Uh, so, you know, and, and, and people like the New Day, Roman Reigns, um, 
that's really that's really it. I mean, she watched she she watches Total Divas actually, which is weird. She she can she can watch every week of that, uh, and I don't watch that. So, you know, the Divas, Roman Reigns, New Day, uh, people like that is what who she knows. Uh, Daniel Bryan when he was still around, you know, that's those are people who are over, and uh, we were watching <laughs> we were watching SmackDown right before the show. And she has no idea. I mean, she knows who Dolph Ziggler is and the Miz. She knows she knows who those people are. She had no idea who the Spirit Squad is, and she started chuckling when they were. You got your, you got your, and you got your. It was just hilarious, and we were both just <laughs> chuckling. And real quick, we only got a couple minutes left. Kudos to uh, Ken Doan, man. I'm so glad he got that spot. I interviewed him on my show. Uh, fellow p- Pancakes and Power Slams alum, alum. Uh, we actually, um, uh, I was working on getting Mike um, Mondo on the show as well uh, soon, so hopefully I can get that done. As far as Johnny Jeter, I actually uh, reached out to him, and uh, we were actually uh, conversing um, during the show tonight, and he was explaining to me why he was not uh, on the show on on SmackDown. <laughs> yeah, lost the transportation back to OVW. Come on, the Miz already covered that. <laughs> yeah, he was so, he was explaining to me why he was not on the show. Um, <clears throat> there is not much I can um, divulge, but I will say um, that <clears throat> um, yeah, it was it's it's based on an audit that uh, he. He he can't wrestle for the WWE based on some what he who he works for now. So that's basically what it boils down to. It's it's out of his control. So I'll, I'll write about it. I'll I'll um, break the news and you'll uh, stay tuned to see that see that. So we got a couple minutes um, Flavor Week. We were going to spend like forty five seconds on Flavor Week. Uh, so we'll go ahead and plug that. Here we go. It is now time for the Flavor of the Week. 30 seconds to plug this. Did you get your top five people uh, who go – top five people who go Burk uh, uh, should wrestle at WrestleMania 33? Just go from five yeah. and one if you have it. Or you, or you go back and forth. You just want me to just go. No, we literally have like thirty. We literally have like thirty seconds. Okay, I can do. I can do this. I can do this in ten seconds. Ready? Number five, Brock Lesnar. Number four, Brock Lesnar. Number three, Brock Lesnar. Number two, Brock Lesnar. Number one, Brock Lesnar. That's the only answer that you need to that. Interesting. I've got Brock Lesnar for five. I've got AJ Styles for four. Baron Corbin for three. Undertaker for two. And number one. Roman Reigns. So I might write. Yeah, I might write. I might write something about that uh, on sports. Game. Roman Reigns marks. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's a he's a champion. So you know, a uh, uh, mark for champions. <laughs> 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 All right, so let's get to predictions real quick uh, for No Mercy. Nikki Bella, Carmella, who you got? Carmella. Uh, I got Nikki Bella. Carmella's been winning uh, recently. Orton Wyatt, who you got? I I'm I'm voting my heart. I'm gonna go with Bray Wyatt. Yes, I'm gonna go Wyatt as well. Miz and Ziggler is Ziggler retiring Ziggler. or will he be the Intercontinental Champ? Ziggler. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, will Beauty and the Man Beast can, uh, maintain the championships, or will the Usos take them away? Well, the, oh, let's see the Usos. Slater and Rock. So they uh, the Usos for American Alpha. I mean, that's obvious. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I agree. Uh, Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss for the Women's Championship. Uh, that's a toughie. I'm going to go Alexis Bliss. Alexa Bliss. Uh, I got Lynch. I think I think they're going to stay with Lynch for a while. And triple threat, AJ, Dean, Ambrose, and John Cena for the WWE World Championship. Um, I'm going to go I'm going to go AJ because I think they're going to save Cena, uh, Ty, and Ric Flair for a bigger show. Yeah, I agree. Yep, AJ for me as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we were ever able to condense all that in 18 minutes' time. Uh, or debate talk uh, next week. Again, for the next few weeks, we'll be talking about we'll – we'll add the debate uh, and the presidential uh, race to the White House on our show. So, ladies and gentlemen, Todd will be with us for the next few weeks. Check out Off the Ropes podcast. Until next week, you all have a wonderful week. Enjoy your week of wrestling, and God bless. We'll be back. Bye-bye.